Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome to the game day edition of The Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It was a hard-fought Big Ten battle with Wisconsin on Saturday, and despite plenty of missed opportunities, we found a way to grind out a win. Now, after five weeks, it's time to take the show on the road for a Saturday night game with Rutgers. My guest today is the editor of the Wolverine magazine, John Borton. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll hear from Steve Politi, who covers Rutgers for NewJersey.com and the Newark Star-Ledger. Before we hear from John, let's get started with my view from Section 17. On Saturday, we dodged the weather and our own mistakes, but found a way to beat a very good Wisconsin team. Our defense looks scarier each week and gives us a huge advantage every time out. For now, that is. The offense left points on the board, as we all saw, and had problems with pass protection and third-down conversions. Wisconsin, again, is a darned good football team, so I'll take a W against a top-10 team any time I can get it. Things to work on, for sure. Uh, The kicking game needs to be fixed. Maybe doing all three jobs is starting to wear on Kenny Allen. We're asking an awful lot from him, so let's see if Ryan Tice can step in and give him a break. The offensive line, I thought, played pretty well on Saturday, but the pass protection does need work. Wilton's numbers were good, but he seemed to be living on the edge much of the day. Still, five games into his first year as a starter, he is performing well and I think can only get better. Again, the two things that worry me the most right now are the kicking game and who will take over a tackle for Grant Newsom. Again, I think Ryan Tice is going to get his chance this week. And if you listen to his teammates, he is more than capable. At left tackle, we have some options. Most of them involve inexperienced players. We'll see on Saturday what we do there. In just a few weeks, the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about will be in the Google Play and iTunes stores. This game will change the way we interact with our favorite sports teams while they are playing. To get a sneak peek and find out more, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave a cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget to leave a cell number. Soon, everyone will be talking about this app. Find out why this week. John Borton has been covering Michigan football for the Wolverines since 1991. 
He's seen some great teams roll down the tunnel in the big house and some very good defenses. He's not sure if he's ever seen a better D than this year's. He joins me next to discuss that and more here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us again on our game day segment this week as we wrap up the Wisconsin game and look forward to the first road trip of the year is the editor of the Wolverine magazine, John Borton. Good to have you back with us, John. Great to be with you, Mike. Well, John, let's start with a look back at Saturday's win against Wisconsin. John, when is the last time you saw a Michigan defense this good? Oh, you have to take it at least back to uh, 2006, uh, the year that... They ran the table till they got to the Ohio State game, and, uh, and this is a this is a very very good defense. Uh, I, the front is deep, it's talented, it's uh, really overwhelming for quarterbacks. It's uh, just given a lot of people a very hard time. You've got a mix of great veterans with Chris Wormley and Ryan Glasgow, and you saw Brian Monet get back in the lineup. Uh, for a few snaps anyway on Saturday, and and some exciting younger players. Rashawn Gary has uh, come in and made his presence felt in spots, and um, it, and then you've got the play of guys in the in the defensive backfield, which has just been exceptional. I mean, uh, Wisconsin went up to Michigan State and won a game because it forced uh, three interceptions and just took over that game defensively and through turnovers, and Michigan turned that script right around on them on Saturday. This time, uh, Alex Hornibrook gets picked off three times by the Wolverines, including an all-time highlight reel pickoff by Jordan Lewis, and Channing Stribling steps up to, to make a couple of interceptions. So I think this defense said it before the year, but it's only been confirmed that this defense should keep Michigan in every single game. Well, the kicking issues, John, uh, last year, Kenny Allen, was he was 18 for 22, had a fantastic year kicking. This year, he's handling all of the kicking duties, and it, it appears it might be taking a toll on him. It is catching up with him. I was talking to uh, one of our regulars, uh, Doug Karsh, who does the sideline reporting, and we were talking about how past Michigan kickers have experienced a little bit of that Mike Gillette at the end of his career when he had to do all three it really his performance and he was one of the great ones as far as Michigan kicking fell off when he had to do all three Jim Harbaugh expressed in fairly pointed terms the fact that he uh, he had a, a an issue with this trying to handle all three and he thinks it uh, may have done a disservice to to Kenny it's it it has affected him and so they are throwing the the tryouts wide open. I know that some of the players, uh, when Ryan Tice, the younger 
kid got in there and uh, missed a field goal on Saturday, some of the players were kind of shocked because Tice has done a very nice job in practice. And I, I kind of expect him to uh, relieve Kenny of the place-kicking duties going forward, at least for the next uh, little stretch. I'm, I'm, I feel bad for Kenny in a way because, as you mentioned, 18 for 22 a year ago, and he was very, very good, very consistent. But uh, I think uh, trying to do all three is starting to catch up with him, and he is punting exceptionally well still. His punting was brilliant on Saturday, and I, and I think it, it clearly has caught up with him. I know after the game, Jim said that there would be that kicking competition this week, see if Ryan Tice can step in and help. And uh, someone asked him uh, about Quinn Norton. He wasn't dressed for the game on Saturday, and Jim said he was uh, working through some things. Any idea what we're talking about with that? Well, I, I just I know that he has uh, had some leg issues. Um, you know, we're hearing that uh, it might involve a hamstring, and so... Um, that's unconfirmed by the powers that be, but uh, we're just going to, obviously, if he were uh, up to speed, he would be a part of that. I just don't see that that's the case right now. And uh, quite frankly, I think, uh, as I mentioned, Ryan Tice is in good position to be able to handle the place kicking duties. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but it's even Harbaugh sounded like he's leaning that way even before the kicking competition begins. And, and obviously they made that call during the game. So uh, my expectation is that uh, we get to Saturday and you see Kenny Allen kicking off and punting and, and Ryan Tice handling field goals. Well, we've got to get that fixed because that certainly could cost us uh, down the road if we don't get some consistency. <laughs> place oh, no doubt. I mean, that's the difference between a 23-7 game and you're cruising in the fourth quarter because Wisconsin can't do anything and and having you know uh, Jordan Lewis have to levitate and come down <laughs> with that interception and you're hoping it doesn't just get over his fingertips or tip off them and end up being a, a 93-yard touchdown or something along those lines to tie it up. Well, we took a big hit on the offensive line on Saturday when uh, Grant Newsom went down and he's going to require surgery uh, for uh, a knee, possibly, I'm not sure. That's according to Jim. But how do we patch that side of the line moving forward, John? That's going to be interesting because they went to uh, Juwan Bushel-Beatty in that game who had been moved himself into the backup spot. Uh, I think that that is a still a possibility that uh, they they stay with him, keep that intact. They'll take a hard look at this film. But another option, knowing now that you've got a longer-term injury with Newsom, uh, they've had Ben Bredesen in there, the true freshman, switching on and off with Ben Braden at left guard. And those two guys have kind of gone at it. Ben Braden was working through some uh, injury issues earlier in the season. He, it looks like he's getting more and more back up to speed. You could take Bredesen, who was a tackle in high school, but who has been practicing exclusively at guard of late and throw him over into that competition. Whether the, or not that happens, I don't know. But uh, that's those would be your two best options, I think, at this point. Yeah, and that is something to keep an eye on starting this Saturday uh, against Rutgers. And uh, I think that I think Bushel Beatty, once he gets a little bit more accustomed to being in there, snap to snap will will come along. But there's no doubt that Newsom is a big, big loss for this team. Yeah, no question. 
Well, let's talk about uh, Wilton Spate uh, and his numbers and his game for just a minute, John. The numbers were pretty darn good on Saturday. He was under intense pressure most of the day. He took his fair share of hits and threw one pick. But when he needed to deliver, uh, he did that with a beautiful throw to Amara Darbo for the game winner. You know, there are going to be bumps in the road. I think we all know that when you have a young quarterback. But all in all, I think he's coming along very nicely, John. Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he put the throw in there that uh, was the difference in that game. To be fair to Wilton, he moved the football very well all day long. Uh, It's just that Michigan against an extremely tough Wisconsin defense. Remember, that shut down LSU that uh, certainly went into Michigan State and didn't allow anything. Uh, picked off Tyler O'Connor three times, forced uh, you know other turnovers. And yet, Spate moved the football at least between the 20s all day long, and Michigan couldn't cash in those field goals like we mentioned. You look at what everybody else has done offensively against Wisconsin, and that just enhances what Spate was able to do. Uh, It's not going to be 50 points a game against uh, Big Ten competition, and especially I think Wisconsin looks like the best team in the West Division. They've got uh, a tough schedule, but Spate, as you mentioned, when he had to step up and drop the pass in to Amaro Darbo to win the game, he did that. He's got in what, seven or eight games, he's got two game-winning drives for the Wolverines, and I I think this is someone who is going to get better and better, and who is very in sync with his coach. We we made the observation a week ago that uh, when Jim Harbaugh was looking to get a timeout during that game, uh, the Penn State game, that uh, he started to move down the sideline, but Wilton Spate saw exactly what Harbaugh was seeing, and he didn't need to see Harbaugh wanting the the timeout. He got it. And what Jim has said is that he loves the way Spate is growing in terms of thinking the game, knowing the offense, and his ability to avoid turnovers. It's still two interceptions in five games, uh, certainly ahead of the pace that Jake Rudock was at uh, a year ago. And we all know that Jake Rudock, turned out pretty darn well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, just a lot of things to like about what we're seeing from Wilton. Uh, this time last year, we were wondering where our vertical game was. And <laughs> so far through five games, we've gone long and he's looked pretty darn good throwing the ball. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think it just gets better because when you face a defense like Wisconsin's, it, it makes you do other things and it really makes you think about, okay, uh, not only avoiding turnovers, but finding ways to to get creative and and move the football. And Michigan, you know, he had some some help there. It was a pretty interesting uh, look when they went to Jabril Peppers in the Wildcat, and uh, he all he did was hand it off. But he's such a threat that it opens some things up. And and one of these times, uh, Peppers is going to. Uh, fake that give and, and keep and just take off, but uh, that is a that's an interesting wrinkle that they seem to be unrolling more and more, especially uh, when Michigan gets toward the red zone. And you've got to think after seeing Jabril just a few times on Saturday in that Wildcat, we're going to see more and more of him incorporated as the season rolls along. He had that Wisconsin defense as good as it is. You could just tell by the body language they were on their heels when he was in the game. 
Yeah, scrambling. I haven't seen that kind of scrambling out of a defense since a certain number two was running out on offense during the 97 season. So that's a, that's kind of a fun little flashback. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with us here on our game day segment this week is the editor of the Wolverine magazine, John Borton, as we uh, talk about the Wisconsin game and look ahead to this Saturday's uh, game in Piscataway uh, with Rutgers. The last takeaway uh, on this Wisconsin game, though, John, from Saturday is that Michigan proved it can beat a top 10 team. We've been waiting that for that for a long time. It was a slugfest between two heavyweights. And it's been a long time since uh, we've seen a Michigan team do that, John. Oh, there's no doubt about it. it you go back to, uh, I believe it was 2008 that Michigan had beaten the top 10 team. And uh, it, Michigan is for real. I think everybody recognizes that now. Some were wondering if that number four ranking was out of whack. And, you know, uh, there's there's no question that Michigan is not where it will be by the end of this season or in the next year or two, but uh, on a on a vastly uh, sped up timeline from what anyone could have possibly expected, even the uh, the most enthusiastic Jim Harbaugh fans, this program is ahead of schedule. First year, ten wins. Second year comes in as a, a top ten team. Now as a top five team, and you look at the schedule ahead. This team, I'm uh, uh, going to make a fairly easy call. Is going to go rolling into East Lansing at seven and zero, uh, and then we see what Michigan can do on the road in the back half of a, a back loaded schedule. Absolutely, Michigan has played its first five games at home, and, and most years you would worry about that first road trip of the season. You don't usually open with five at home, and to boot, it's a night game, but you have to like this Saturday's matchup, John. Michigan's defense on the road against a Rutgers offense that, to say they're struggling, is, I, I think, being kind. Oh, yeah. 58 to nothing. They got shut out at home by uh, Ohio State, and I just, I could see the uh, shutout quarters continuing for Rutgers. They're just not very good. So the way Michigan's schedule is set up for a young team breaking in a new quarterback, lots of new players that are going to help down the line, I think it's been perfect. It kind of ramped up from uh, a very manageable schedule early, given the non-conference opponents to a, a real test in Colorado, who is better than anybody thought, even when they came into Michigan Stadium. Before that, uh, when that game was over, people started to realize, hey, you know, this team is pretty darn good. And then you ramp up to the Big Ten schedule, get the test out of Wisconsin. Uh, your first road test is you're, you're back to being what I would consider a very manageable road test. But you know, you still have players they haven't played on the road before, so that's a that's another good scenario. Come back and, uh, you know, I just I've said it before the season that Michigan's year, barring anything unforeseen, is going to come down three road games: Iowa, which looks uh, well. First of all, Michigan State, which will be tough, but we saw what. Wisconsin went up to East Lansing and did. So I think uh, certainly Michigan State's not unbeatable. Iowa, which is has had its share of struggles and really has to you know, rebound to get back up to speed. And then, of course, the, the really big one at the end of the year uh, against and at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan... I feel more strongly. I said this before the season started, but I feel more strongly about it now. I think Michigan goes into Columbus 
with a shot at uh, going to the Big Ten championship game, and I think that that's going to happen. Well, after this Saturday, John, we're at the midway point of the season, then we're heading into the bye week. What has surprised you about this Michigan team, and, and, and what now, after seeing them for five weeks, are areas of concern as we move into that second half of the season? I think what has surprised me is uh, Michigan's ability to work in so many younger players that are going to be able to help this team, not just down the road two or three years, but right now. You look at an Eddie McDoom on offense and the way that they've used his speed and his ability. Uh, you look at Devin Asiasi, a true freshman tight end, who is clearly in the number two spot behind Jake Butt now and doing some big things. Uh, you, you look at a Rashawn Gary, how he's mixed in on the defensive line and and uh, and on and on. Uh, David Long has been a little bit nicked up, but he is going to be a, a corner for these guys that can step in and do some things. Um, so I, I think that the way they've built depth has been very, very good. Concerns, certainly the injuries that they have suffered uh, and some and the inconsistency in special teams has uh, has been a cause and will be a cause for concern. Now, special teams has been phenomenal in some areas, blocking kicks and uh, the punt returns with peppers and all. But when you need a field goal to win a game and you don't have someone who you feel like, okay, he's, he's money at this point, that can be a problem, especially in that game that uh, was played last Saturday. Had Wisconsin somehow managed to score another touchdown, the game goes to overtime, and that that's a, not a good scenario for Michigan right now because you don't know what you've got. And uh, I alluded to the injuries. Um, Newsom, hard to understate how big uh, that, or overstate rather, how big that uh, issue is because uh, Michigan has a lack of, of proven veteran offensive linemen that could come in there and plug in. Bushel Beatty just hasn't played that much, and Bredesen uh, alluded to him. He's a, he's a true freshman, still learning. So uh, really interested to see how things shape up over on the left side of the offensive line. We've had five weeks to watch Big Ten teams play now and sort of gauge where they are. John, you, you, as you mentioned, Iowa seems to be faltering. They need to regroup, and it's looking more and more like it might be a rebuilding year in East Lansing. Other than those two teams, um, any surprises you've seen in the conference so far? Surprised that Ohio State is as much of a machine as it is this early. Not because you know you thought that they were going to be wiped out by sending a dozen players to the NFL or whatever it was. You know that they're not recruiting untalented people behind those guys. They're just up to speed very, very fast. And uh, and JT Barrett. I think this is a team that just rolls. I was asked today if I thought Ohio State would lose one in the regular season. I think it's entirely possible because I think that going to Wisconsin here in a little bit, another week or two, won't be any bargain. And I think that showdown at the end of the year is going to give Ohio State all it can handle. But quickness with which they have gotten up to speed I would say as a surprise, and also on the in the western side, I think uh, Wisconsin is better than I expected as well. Although 
they have got to survive the schedule here over the next month. If they do that with only one more loss, I could see Wisconsin coming out of the West as uh, the division winner. Oh, I could see that too. And next uh, Saturday night, Ohio State has to. I don't. I'm, uh, maybe it's not a night game, but it's next Saturday. Ohio State has to make the trip to uh, to Madison. That's going to be uh, an interesting game for us to gauge. Uh, as compared to Ohio State, where we are, too. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I think Wisconsin, their defense will face a different sort of threat in Barrett, who can you know, not only throw it, but run it as well. But uh, I think that front seven for Wisconsin, I'm very impressed with them. And uh, even though they lost uh, a key linebacker here recently, I think they hold up pretty well, and Ohio State is going to get its biggest test of the year so far in terms of moving the football. I mean, they've just uh, rolled over everyone. I don't see that happening in Madison. Well, a final thought, John. Uh, as of this moment, I mean, in my opinion, it's uh, it's Ohio State, then everyone else. They look, as you've been saying, just that good. But we have seven weeks to get ready for that game, and that's uh, the good news. And, you know, I, I think this is the kind of team, this Michigan team, offensively especially, that's going to get better as the season goes along. I just know that we have not seen the best from this unit yet, John. Oh, I absolutely agree with you because Spate uh, stands to get better and better every week. His, uh, the, the veteran weapons, uh, he is you know, knows what uh, he can, who he can rely on and getting up to speed. Uh, I, I think the running backs... Um, the fact that they've got four guys right now that they can rely on to some degree is, is um, that that unit's going to take it to a higher and higher level. And then the other side of the football, I mean, we think of Michigan's defense as pretty darn good right now. Well, it wasn't that long ago that Don Brown was coming out after that Colorado game in very animated fashion and saying, look, uh, these big plays, you put them on me. Uh, don't blame these players. They're still learning this system. I guarantee you three games from now they're going to be better, and three games after that they're going to be that much better. So uh, he is uh, hes quite a guy, and I think that the defense, uh, as as well as we think we they have played to this point, is uh, going to take it to an either, even higher level. And, you know, you get those road games, that's where you win those road games with, with great smothering defense. And uh, I think uh, Michigan will be right in all of them. I agree with you. Our guest here on our game day segment this week, wrapping up Wisconsin and looking ahead to the first road test of the year against Rutgers on Saturday night has been the editor of the Wolverine magazine, John Borton. John, always a pleasure to have you uh, on the show, and we look forward to the next visit. Thanks, Mike. Always fun to join you. Quick Hits is next as we wrap up our game day edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today. It's early in the week, so we don't have much to report on the injury front other than Grant Newsom being out. 
Other than the usual mid-season bumps and bruises, we're in good shape for the first road trip of the season. Thanks to John Borton from the Wolverine for being with us today. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll be joined by Steve Politi, who covers Rutgers for NewJersey.com and the Newark Star-Ledger. If there are any injury updates, we'll have them for you on Thursday's show. Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. If you're an iHeartRadio fan, you can find us on that roster now. We're almost at the midway point of the season, and the best is yet to come. So make sure you have one of our free apps and join us each week. In just a few weeks, the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about will be in the Google Play and iTunes stores. This game will change the way we interact with our favorite sports teams while they are playing. To get a sneak peek and find out more, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave a cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget to leave a cell number. Soon, everyone will be talking about this app. Find out why this week. That will do it for our game day edition. We'll be back on Thursday with our visitor's show. And again, our guest will be Steve Politi from NewJersey.com and the Newark Star-Ledger. So make sure you join us for that. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!